This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with Austin Yoakum and me, Greg Ebosher. No one actually knows what you should do more than you do. People often pick permanent slavery over this realization. If you continue to hide behind that figure, you'll fail to realize there's more to you than you think. So that's a quote from the psychologist Jordan B. Peterson. Um, he is a professional psychologist with a professional practice, and he also works as a professor at the University of Toronto. He has spent the last year touring for his new best-selling book called 12 Rules for Life. And um, his message has become very popular with a lot of young men and women because he preaches a message of taking personal responsibility for your life and for finding your own path and becoming the man or woman that you're called to be. Um, he really encourages young men and women to seek out challenges, seek out something that's going to make them a better person or make them rise to an occasion and tries to provide them with tools, psychological tools, to overcome those challenges. Now, this quote about figuring out there's more to you than you might think really leads into who our guest is today. So our guest today is Josh Parks. He's the owner of Ghost Fit Clothing and Ghost Fit Cuts. Um, he's an All-American running back for the University of St. Thomas. He's a workout enthusiast. He's also a sponsor of the podcast. Mm. More than all that, He's our teammate, he's our brother, he's our friend. He's a very good man, and he has really embodied taking on and finding his own path, and uh, we're thrilled to have him in studio today. So, Josh, thanks for coming thanks on. Thanks for having thanks me on, guys. brother. Thank Freaking you. Liked. Um, so, let's start with the basics, <clears throat> Josh. Now, so where are you from? Yeah, so I'm from Minnesota. I was actually um, raised in St. Paul, then I moved up north about 45 minutes to Chisago where I went to school from the second grade um, until I graduated high school. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I've always been local. I've always been kind of like that city boy, you mm -hmm. know, just because you know, I was raised down here. And, you know, I feel like once you get into the city, um, you realize that there's a lot of good things to offer. But um, like I said, from Chisago, and that's sort of like the total opposite of, right. uh, of Minneapolis and St. Paul. So it's kind of good to have that both that balance, um, you know, come down here, you know, and we're recording in St. Paul where, you know, you can kind of, you know, find more like the food and like the, you know, social mm -hmm. sides of things, but then also relax going back home. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. nice. Yeah, because I've driven through Chisago once and, and I thought, well, this does not seem like Josh's kind of place. <laughs> no, yeah, it's like I said, it's, it's different, man. It's different. There's lakes, um, yeah. tons of lakes, small fields. Small. small. Yeah, yeah, it's only... I think Chisago is 2,500 people. Wow. Yeah. That's a Foley town right there. Yeah, yeah. so our high school, good. we had, our high school was made up of seven different cities. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so we, I think we had around like 11 or 1,200 kids in our uh, high school. It was from seven different cities. Oh, wow. Um, and so growing up, there's kind of like, you either go to Chisago or you go to like a Wisconsin school. Um, and you live in Minnesota? Yeah, yeah. Huh. And then, and then, um, you come back, and I think it's in middle school, you yeah, had fifth grade, kind of both schools come together. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a really weird transition. They have, they have like, a dance in fifth grade, and that's the first time that people from both schools meet each other. <laughs> and it's basically like an introduction to middle school because everyone's, mm -hmm. um, you know, not familiar with each other yet. So, 
there's kind of like that little rivalry that goes yeah. on between everyone. Sure. I feel like that kind of helps with like the college transition though, because yeah. you have to, you kind of have that little college transition of knowing everybody and then going to another school where you don't know everybody, but you have that in high school. Yeah. Whereas like the small town we were in, it was just our small town. And like you knew everybody and then everybody from your senior grade to like mm. kindergarten. And then when you leave that like little bubble and you go to right. a place where you have no nobody, like, so you got a little transition period in there. It was pretty mm. cool. Yeah, no, it was, a, it was a good time. Yeah, so you enjoy growing up out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when, again, when I drove through that town, I was like, this is my kind of town. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a country little town. It's, it's small. It's quaint. And, and there's a lot to do around there between snowmobiling and uh, and boating and fishing. And there is, yeah. If you like if you like outdoors, which, I mean, a lot of people from Minnesota do, mm-hmm. it's a it's a good place. Like okay. you said, there's, there's not a ton of people there, but there's always something to do yeah. just because like I said there's so many little towns around it mm-hmm. that you know people are like you said either out on out on their boats they're you know on snowmobiles four-wheelers whatever it is it's, it's kind of like I don't know I, I we go camping up north and it's one of those places where it's like you know, there's like a hundred people out there right yeah and you can kind of like there's like no laws and people from like the cities think that's how Chicago is. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I understand it. Yeah. And so and so you're currently commuting, correct? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's about like I said, about thirty five, forty five minutes commute, depending on, you know, traffic and weather. You know, I know that so this what was it, two weeks ago when we were getting all that snow, um, it would take me about an hour and a half sometimes just to get home. Oh my gosh. So people wow. are going 40, 35, 40 on the freeway, mm-hmm. you know, and no one wants to crash. So mm-hmm. yeah, it can get pretty bad in the winter times. Yeah, that's a lot of commitment to, yeah. to, to, to your education and, and your, yeah, that's something. It's nice though because, like, I'm, I'm not necessarily a morning person. So uh, when I drive, you know, 40 minutes to get to school, by the time I get to school, like, I'm awake. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you walk into class and you see people that they're still half asleep. Yeah. So I guess I have that advantage over some other people yeah. just because I have to get up a little bit earlier and mm-hmm. get my mind working right away. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I remember, I think my first, our first class we had together was managerial accounting, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it was at 8 a.m., I think, and I, you were showing up every day. <laughs> and then I learned that you were commuting and playing football. And going to school from like forty five minutes away, and I my respect for you went through the roof. I appreciate I was, it. Yeah, that's. I was. I was. <laughs> that was. I think that's the last eight a.m. class I'm taking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah. that no, it's good though because, um, so I try not to take eight a.m. classes obviously for that reason, mm-hmm. um, and then usually I, I mean I don't remember the last time I had class on Fridays either. Uh-huh. So I just try to set my schedule up in an advantageous way so I don't have to drive. You know, forty-five minutes. You know, nice. five, six days a week. Um, Business majors. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. ROI right there. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <clears throat> awesome. Um, yeah, I didn't have college. Well, side note for any high schoolers: if you go to St. Thomas and you're a business major, you can pretty much schedule classes on only Tuesday, Thursday. So it's pretty tight. Did that for my last three semesters. Um, all right. Yeah. So let's transition. Um, so you know. Another part of, about your life that's just huge is is your relationship with your brother. Um, yeah, yeah. You, so, how are you? Why are you guys so tight? What? Yeah, no. This is kind of a this is kind of a story that a lot of people I feel like don't really know yet. Um, so I'm excited to talk about it. So yeah, so when I first started Ghostfit, he my brother Jesse, by the way, um, he's what three, four years older than me. 
And uh, is this a silverback? Silverback smooth. Yeah, yeah. silverback smooth on Instagram. Yeah, he's a he's a big man. So yeah, so basically what he does a little bit of background about him is um, he's an accountant now, uh, but he also does um, uh, physique shows, bodybuilding shows. Excuse me. Um, and so I think he got second overall in Iowa. He got second overall in Minnesota last year. Um, I think he's going to be competing again in two years. Um, but yeah, so he's been a big influence for like lifting for, for my entire life. And when I started Ghost Fit, he was kind of the first person to kind of like model our stuff. And he was all over our website, like all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> um, like I said, he's a big influence to me. So I, I want to give him that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And now kind of going back a little bit in high school, I think it was sophomore year, he started calling me Ghost playing football, right? Oh, that's where it came and from. And yeah, so... He's like, yeah, you look like a ghost out there. <laughs> so in high school, you know, no one really called me ghost that much. But going into college, um, you know, that's kind of like the nickname that stuck. Mm-hmm. So when I started Ghost Fit, or when I when I started this company, I you know trying to think of you know what really means the most to me, and you know obviously, like I said, he's a big influence. So I said, you know, let's make Ghost Fit right? my nickname with fitness. Um, but before all this, <clears throat> it wasn't until ninth grade that. Me and my brother actually got close. Like growing up, mm-hmm. I, I bet you I I don't remember having more than ten conversations with him. Really? Like he was so he kind of was raised a little bit different than I was, and um, you know he was kind of always gone, like doing his own thing. Um, and yeah, like me and him just like we're not close at all. Like I couldn't tell you what he liked to eat, like his favorite color, like nothing. Like I really had no idea who my brother Did was. Did you guys bond over like athletics? So, so this is what happened. It wasn't even that. Um, in ninth grade, we went on a family vacation. It was like the first family trip that we t- that we had taken. And um, when I say like I didn't know my brother, like I literally I knew his name was Jesse Parks. Like that was basically it. And we went on this family vacation. I was fifteen at the time. We went to Mexico, and it was sort of like the first time that me and him like hung out. I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, we'd see each other, like, during, like, Christmas and stuff like that. But, you know, just that kind of, like, little brother. And he was kind of had his own mission at the time. You know, he has his own backstory that I won't really get into right now. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so, you know, we had we had a couple drinks on, on the beach in Mexico. And, um, you were 15. Yeah. It's legal there, right? <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, anyways, um you know, we just started talking and, you know, we came back from that trip and, you know, I remember him telling me, he's like, I don't know why I haven't been in your life. He's like, but I realized like, I kind of, I fucked up a little bit Mm. and I never like took it personally. You know, it's just one of those things where, you know, that's just like what I was used to. Like, you know, I I know I have, you know, my brother obviously, but we just weren't very close and I I don't blame it on, you know, either of us. I just think that's kind of how things went at the time. Mm. Um, But yeah, but then after that, you know, he started lifting. I mean, he was a really, really, until he was like a senior in high school, I mean, he weighed like 150 pounds, 160 pounds. Like he was a really small dude, and then he started lifting, and um, and me and him just kind of like clicked from that. Like, okay. it yeah. was the weirdest thing. I, it, it was literally like one day on that trip, um, and then the entire, the rest of the trip, like we were tied at the hip, and now, I mean, 
no one would ever see that, you know, looking at us now, the way that we bond, the way that we get together. But, right. you know, he's, he's like I said, he's been a big influence in my life ever since. I mean, even before we were really close, because I would, like, you know, see him, and obviously he's my older brother, so mm -hmm. I kind of, like, uh, mimicked some things that he did. Mm -hmm. But, you know, even now more so just because of how close we are. Mm -hmm. yeah. How much older is he than you? He's four, yeah, four years. Four years older? Four years yeah. older. Gotcha. So, mm. that's, pre that's pretty sweet that the yeah. connection, like, got refilled. I, I kind of have the... So I have a younger brother that's probably like eight years younger than me. So it's kind of like the same thing of where like I can kind of see where your older brother's coming from of like he has his own passions and he has like right. a lot of stuff going on in his life and it seems like he's not always there. But like I love that you guys were able to like get back together and like that. I mean that family connection is always still there. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of like with yeah. us too. Like when even if we don't see each other, talk to each other every day. Like when we get together, like as a family, like yeah. that connection is back right. up and we're just For sure. there. Yeah. I'd imagine it's different with a brother too, because I've got one sister, and I'm, we're. I don't think uh, we we have definitely weren't didn't get closer until we got older too. I just think when you're younger, it's it's uh, kind of hard. Yeah, when well, it's two boys, you know what I mean. So yeah, like, you guys are. And at that time, you know, if you think about it, um, you know, when he was, you know, what, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. I mean, he's kind of mm -hmm. going through his own stuff too. You know, yep. you're in high school, yeah. like, you changed so much from middle sure. school to high school, and, you know, that was kind of, like, the time that we would have gotten close. Because, mm -hmm. uh, obviously, at a certain age, you know, when when your little brother's too young, you're not, you're not going to bond over certain things. And then, mm -hmm. um, you know, then you get to that, like, sticky point where, you know, he was getting into high school, um, maturing more. So mm -hmm. I just think that it was a, a mix of timing and, we just didn't awesome. have much to bond about at that point. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, I'm, I'm, but it's great now. It's great now. You yeah. know, you, you see us lifting together. I think that's we what lift, I was gonna ask. Yeah, we lift together like three, four days a week. Right. Yeah. Who's who's stronger? He is by yeah. far. Um, no, I mean, so upper body he's stronger, lower body I'm stronger than him. Oh yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's what you want. He's so, a big man. Yeah. No, he's <laughs> a. He's a big dude. Yeah, yeah. man's triceps are like a bowling ball. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> so transitioning from there, um, you talked about your high school days. Yeah. Um, seems like you kind of tore it up in high school. You got a preferred walk-on to yeah. go to the U. Do you want to talk about that process a little bit? Why'd you, uh, why'd you choose the U? Why'd you choose to stay in state uh, when you probably had other offers? Um, yeah, did you have any like money offers? Yeah, so I had... Um, I think I had like four or five full ride scholarships. Wow! For like to like the Dakota schools, um, I was talking to Northern Illinois, um, NIU, you know, local like Midwest schools, mm -hmm. um, Division One AA schools. Uh, but the the thing that really caught me was I, I it was more the hype than anything else. I mean, I was 16, 17 year old kid, and I got contacted by the U of M, and it's a team that. Anywhere that you go in Minnesota, you see, you know, those colors flying mm -hmm. around on flags or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And at that point, um, you know, I obviously thought, you know, very highly of myself. Um, <laughs> not saying it was necessarily a bad thing, but I think it was just an immature sort of, you know, process that I went through. And, you know, you get talked to by Jerry Kill and... Um, it's like, you know, you grew up in Minnesota. That's kind of like the pride and passion. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, I, I, I didn't think about it from like a monetary standpoint. I was like, oh, I just want to play for the Gophers. Sure. I wanted that sort of recognition, right, mm -hmm. to say, you know, I, I, I played for the Gophers. I tried. Um, and I'm, I'm super happy that I did it, you know. Like you said, yeah. it, was, it was a preferred walk-on. And, 
you know, I think a lot of people might look back at it and say, oh, well, I'm still not at the U of M. I'm not at the U of M currently, so did I waste my time? And for me, it would be definitely no. You know, I met a lot of really good people. Um, my experience there was great. So it's just one of those things where, you know, I was super young and, you yeah. know, I kind of just wanted to have it under my belt. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you said, you're 16, 17 years old. You're king of the world coming off, just destroying people in high school. Right. And then you are put on your shoulders to make a decision that'll affect the rest of your life, yeah. you know, and like that you picked, you kind of bet on yourself. And I, I think we'll get into that later with the ghost fit and like that type of thing, but you bet on yourself. I'm not taking kind of the easy route out and you felt like in your confidence in yourself, you're like, I can make it there, you know, like, and I want to do it for the state of Minnesota and mm-hmm. like the pride right. and, there. And, it, and it's so hard because like, that's really the biggest decision I had made at in my life at that point. Yeah. And no one really walks you through it, right? Instead of instead of people trying to help you out, you just get more coaches trying to talk to you and say, <laughs> yeah. hey, instead of them, come to us. Instead of them, come to us. Like, mm-hmm. here's this, this is how much money we're going to pay, not pay you, but, like, in terms of scholarships. Um, and, like, at that time, I had no concept of money or college or loans or debt. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I saw the Gophers play on TV and I grew up going to their games. I was like, that's where I want to go. I don't. I don't care what other teams offer me. Like I, now that I got interest from the Gophers, like I'm ready. So yeah, yeah. And that's where I get like get into like more coaching and people like coaches I talk to. Like they, I don't think they realize how uneducated the kids they're recruiting are. Um, just like from schools like yours and like small schools like mine, where like these kids have no idea the concept of money. And like yes, they're raised. They know what the value of a dollar is. They have no idea what the concept of money is for these colleges right. and then how big of a decision making that college is. And then even knowing anything about that college, like you have one year to look at every single college that could possibly affect your life. And it just exactly. it blows these kids' minds and you just kind of have to make a decision and go with it. Yeah, it's stressful. And it's just like some of these coaches I don't think see because yeah. they just see their side. They see this is one school. This is why. Why aren't you coming here? And like you have to like kind of talk to them and be like, yeah. wait a minute. These kids are being talked to by a hundred schools. They yeah. don't know any of these schools. They don't know the cost of any of these schools, and they don't know how it's going to affect their life. Mm-hmm. And they have nobody to walk it through yeah. with. You know. Right. Well, the only thing that I was worried about at the time was just playing football. Like I didn't yeah. even, to be honest, I didn't really take into consideration what the school has to offer. And that that was my the the best advice I got during the recruiting process. Um, and this was this was after this is like I know we'll kind of talk about this, but this is like my second process of recruiting after I'd left the U um, initially. Um, but it was make sure you go somewhere that you would enjoy if you weren't playing football as well, mm-hmm. because you never know what's gonna happen. You don't know if you're gonna get hurt and you can't play anymore. If you decide football is not for you, like whatever it may be, and um, like like I said, we'll talk more about that. But that was a big reason why I chose Saint chose Saint Thomas. Oh, it was. And then, okay. so, like, with that point about you talking about football being taken away and um, about not having that, what was that yeah. process like of trans? Like, why did you decide to transfer from the U and go to St. John's yeah. originally? Run through, yeah, run through. Right, oh, gosh, yeah. let's get deep for a second. Yeah, yeah. yeah. all right. Yeah, so, uh, like I said, you know, I you know, I was kind of on that, you know, hype train, you know, like, oh, I can't wait to play for the U. Well, real quick, before you, before you go on about it, just in case no one knows, let's just be real clear and upfront. So Josh went to the University of Minnesota out of high school, then transferred to St. John's after a year. Correct. And then transferred back to the University of Minnesota. Yep. And then came to Union, then stopped school, correct? Or no? Nope, nope. So I went to stop football. 
So I went to the U of M. Yeah, you do it. Then I went to St. John's for fall camp. Then I went back to the U of M, and I quit football after that. Okay. And then I went to St. Thomas. Got it. All right. Yeah, so yeah. let's run yeah. through that. All that. Yeah. So let's. Where do we start from? I guess. Um, yeah. So I graduated in 2014, summer of 2014, and uh, that fall. Um, I was playing running back at the, uh, yep, at the University of Minnesota. And going into that spring of 2015, they ended up changing my position from running back to uh, defensive back. Okay. And <clears throat> so for Division One, I, I think it's for Division Two as well, you get 15 spring practices or full pads. Um, and, you know, I'm playing D-back. And at this level, at Division One level, you really have to buy in because it's like, 350 days out of the year that you know mm -hmm. you're with the team um, and obviously I come in um, in the, that that previous fall and I'm stoked I'm on my high horse and I didn't really go through any adversity like I went through at this point mm -hmm. um, just because nothing had as much what word am I looking for like the the loss that I would be taking for quitting football or continuing to play was much more than I had gone through previously, so I didn't understand how to handle the situation, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I get moved to defensive back, and I realized that, you know, I was like, this isn't for me, um, you know, doubting myself a lot, mm -hmm. and go in and I talk with Coach Kill, and I'm like, you know, I think it's time for me to, you know, find a different place, find a different school. I'm just not bought in enough, I'm not comfortable. Um, playing defensive back and it was you know looking back at it now it's one of those situations where I just wasn't mentally tough enough at that no. point in my life and I just didn't have what it took to overcome adversity especially when it was like extremely personal mm -hmm. <clears throat> when it affected you know me for the most part mm -hmm. and so anyway so I'm looking for schools and you know I'm looking at the North Dakota schools, South Dakota schools, end up going to St. John's and I'm there for the fall. Why did you choose St. John's? Yeah, so basically what happened is I didn't find anywhere I wanted to go until like two weeks before fall camp started. And one of my really good friends played linebacker at St. John's. Okay. And his parents and just like they're like we're we're all just really close, right? Like mm -hmm. both of our families. And she's like, I was over at his house, and, you know, Josh, his name is Josh, and he was getting ready to, you know, kind of pack up to, for fall camp. And um, she's like, you know, I can fill everything out for you. Like, if you still want to play, like, you know, we can make it super easy. And I just remember at the time, I'm like, well, I need to still play, so I'm like, sure, I'll go there. So anyways, I'm there for fall camp, and I think it was the day before the first game. Um... I ended up telling the coaching staff, like, yeah, you know, I just don't know if this place is for me. Um, you know, I think I'm just going to go back to the University of Minnesota. And the one good thing that I did was I didn't cancel my classes at the U of M because, I, like I said, this was, like, last minute. So I still oh, – wow. so class hadn't started when I left St. John's and went back to the University of Minnesota. Mm. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. And, yeah, so, so I remember – so I'm – on 94, coming back down to, you know, the cities, and I call one of the coaches that went, he went to St. Thomas, but he was a GM at the U of M, and I call him, and I'm like, yeah, you know, like, I'm not 
staying at St. John's anymore. And he's like, if you want to, you can, you know, come back to the University of Minnesota and play here. And so, if, like, for the next day, I was thinking about it. And I ultimately told them, you know, I don't want to come back. And oh. it was just a situation where I didn't want to put myself, you know, through that, you know, process again. Through and the process of? Of playing football there and then doubting and then, right, because I knew that if I went back and played, like, I had to stay there, right? Like, there, mm-hmm. that that was the, you know, that was the final straw. Um, you know, I couldn't mm-hmm. go in and then come back out two times in a row. Like, that's just not something I was willing to do. Mm-hmm. And so I just wasn't sure at that time, you know. I, my that my mental state just, like, wasn't in the right position to, you know, make that decision. So I told him, I'm like, you know, thanks for the offer, but, you know, I, I don't think that I should do it. So then I'm just going, I'm at the U of M now, and this is fall of 2015. This is basically a year after I graduated high school. Um, it's a crazy year. Yeah, no, it was, it was a lot of stuff. And that's, that's kind of like when it started to get into real for me. Um, I, like I said, I wasn't playing football there. I was supposed to be taking four classes in the fall and then in the spring, and I ended up dropping two or three of them each semester. <laughs> Dude, like I was like, wasn't going to class, wasn't working out like oh boy literally like i got i think i got d's in the classes that i was in and um you know i just started going through like anxiety and like having like panic attacks and i eventually you know got on prescribed pills for anxiety and i was taking them i had to take them daily for like six months or something like that and um you know i was just in a place where I didn't know how to deal with my current situation, right? Mm-hmm. And I hadn't gone through something like this before. And I was, like, I literally like, every day, you know, I'd have panic attacks where it was like, you know, just thinking about all the people that I let down, thinking about how I let myself down, thinking about, you know, how, where I was in high school and my mindset there compared to now. Um, you know, I, I, I judged myself on the criteria of football. And when I did that, my self-worth went from, 10 to basically zero mm-hmm. in, in the next year because now I wasn't playing and I knew that I still had more to give to the game and I knew that um, I kind of took the easy way out by quitting. Um, and so really what, what hit me was, it was probably that next spring and I was like, all right, like I need to figure my shit out. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna be waking up taking these anxiety pills every single day, taking them what, twice a day and then if I had uh, like a panic attack, I had other pills that I'd be taking and oh it just made me extremely tired and sleepy and like I just like was basically a walking zombie. Um, so I told myself, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna take these for two more months and when I take these, um, every single night, I'm gonna figure out how to get over this. Like, cause I, I knew a big part of it was mental. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, I need to figure out how to get out of this hole. And so one thing that I did is I watched a lot of Gary Vee, and, um, you know, he just said, he just said a ton of good stuff, and, um, you know, it it was, it was things like that that allowed me to, you know, see the light and realize that football wasn't the only thing that I needed. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Who else? Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. Oh, he's great. He, you, you, are you familiar with him? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so my grandma actually told me about him. And, you know, I watched a lot of Tony Robbins stuff. And one thing that I got from him, and he would always say, like, raise your standards, right? Mm-hmm. And what that meant to me is, like, <clears throat> expect more from yourself, expect more from other people, and create more value for others. 
And while I was taking these pills, like I was researching this stuff and I was figuring out, out ways how to deal with like the mental aspect of life, mm -hmm. right? And it's something that I was never taught. It was, you know, it was mm -hmm. something that I was going through. And it's one of those things where it's not that no one else can help you. Of, of course, like all like the, you know, the wishes and things like that, that helps a ton. But it's one of those situations where you really want to, you really have to want it for yourself in order to get mm -hmm. over it. Mm -hmm. So after like the two months was over, I think I think it, it was a total of like six months I was taking the pills. Um, you know, I called my mom and I said, I'm throwing away these pills. And she's like, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. My girlfriend at the time said the same thing, like, we'll just keep some just in case you need them. And I was like, dude, I'm like, I'm not gonna continue to do this. I'm not gonna give myself something to fall, yeah, yep. fall back on because if I do, I'm just gonna fall back on them and I'm gonna continue to stay in this this deficit that I'm in right now. So I remember I just threw them away um, and I would, you know, still get anxiety, but then I would just think about all the little tips that I taught myself. And I mean, even to this day, I still still have like phases of it, but it's ne not nearly where it used to be. And it's not like a bad thing anymore. Like it's, I can, I can get over it and I can work through it. And it's just, it's one of those situations where it's like, I don't know, it is, it's very, it's, it's a very like weird sort of like process that I went through, I felt like, mm -hmm. because I was like teaching myself how to get over something, mm -hmm. but not actually knowing if it was going to work. Mm -hmm. But yeah. no, yeah, I, I, I think I made the right decision. Mm -hmm. I think that's so awesome. And like, what I think a lot of people don't see is they see Josh Parks, yes. and they're like, he's the king, like nothing in this world can go wrong. And like, but people don't realize it's like, I had like the same issue, but like my freshman year, you talked about like that pressure of like feeling like you let yourself down, you let your family down, you let family yeah. down. Dude, it's crazy. Like there were so many freshman years where freshman nights, like where I sat in my bed and like and like you said, that anxiety and just like it feels like it's just crushing you, crushing mm -hmm. you, crushing you. And like there's so many nights where I just couldn't sleep and I would just sit there and like I would have like the fear of like honestly one of my biggest fears is like being a camp star. Like after my freshman year of like I was thinking like shit, like I'm gonna be a camp star this next year and like that pressure is so ridiculous on like people and it just crushes you, crushes you. And like yeah. you said, like I kind of did the same mindset of just like, you gotta say basically F that, like you gotta fix that, like right. within yourself. And like, right, right. I loved how you said like, I'm not gonna keep some of these pills because then mm -hmm. I'm gonna have that plan B, I'm gonna have that safety net, and I'm gonna fall into that. And like, that was the same thing with me. Like, I'm not gonna keep any of these, these excuses anymore. I'm not gonna keep any of the reasons I'm being held back anymore. Like I'm gonna cut that off, like no safety nets. Like we're just gonna, fix this like either fix this or die trying basically you know like because otherwise you're just going to be laying in that safety net for the rest of your life and you're not you're not doing anything like mm -hmm. i would much rather die, die trying in quotation marks like going after something and bettering myself than keeping that safety net and being falling on it all the time exactly. and be like okay i'm safe you know mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. that that's so awesome it's just like what i want a lot of people to realize is like the people you see, the successful people you see, like, they're not just born that way. Like, the people you think that have it all together, like, they've had to put it all together. You know, like, it's not just there. They weren't born with that puzzle piece just completely put. Like, that. most people that are super successful, their puzzle piece was fucking thrown all over the place. And, like, they've had to spend the years of, like, picking those puzzle pieces up and putting it slowly together. And then... The people see the complete puzzle piece like that, that you are now, like the successful business owner, the successful running back, like that's what they see. But they didn't see you on the ground, like the nights you had crying, like the nights that you were felt like you're a failure, 
picking up those puzzle pieces yourself and putting them together. Right, and, and that's like how they say, you know, uh, overnight success takes 10 years, right? <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's like people people see the end result, but they don't know what goes into it. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the greatest thing that I learned from that, like, year process um, was just perspective. Like, you can ask my family members, my friends now, like, I don't really get, of course I still get, like, anxious and I get mad and stuff at, at, at times, but... I can't stay in those phases anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it's so hard for me because I realize like how much worse it could be. I realize how good I actually do have it. And when you have perspective, when you have a, a situation or or so um, a, a foundation to judge everything else off of, you realize that what you're going through isn't nearly as bad as you once thought it was. One hundred percent. And that's the greatest thing I learned from this whole thing. Yeah. And if you don't if you don't go through that adversity, like if you don't ever do that, like you'll never have that. And then when then that's like. But it's so, I think it's so much better to go through it young and just go after it because this is like people talk about their midlife crisis. It's because they've lived in that safe bubble yeah. and then something hits them in the face and they're yeah. 40 years old. They have a family depending on them and now their life's falling apart. Now they're going through that anxiety you face as a freshman in college and they're 40 years old and they have people that depend on them and they have no effing idea how to fix that. And now they're like, fuck. Now, yeah. And they, they, you know, they're, they're, they're lost. How do we put this puzzle piece together? And I think like the sooner you guys can, the listeners can, Put yourself in those situations to where you are forced to build that foundation. You are forced to put that puzzle piece of yours together. You are forced to look and see where your life is right now, the better. Exactly. So when people don't rely upon you, and even if the people rely upon you right now, like, eventually adversity is going to hit you. Like, you just put yourself out there now and start building that. So, like, when you get hit with it, it doesn't knock you completely down. Like, Mm -hmm. you've built your base up just enough to where that doesn't knock you down. You're able to deal with that. Yeah. Well, so you touched on this. You said this, your foundation. What what were you able to build your foundation on? What has your foundation been built on now that's been solid, that's helped you withstand anything that's really kind of come your way in these last couple of years? Because you pretty much dominated everything that's come your way. And then, like, another point, like, that foundation, like, what if football was taken away from you? Yeah. Like, what's that foundation for you now? Yeah. Right, and, and I think it kind of goes back to perspective. Like... I, I know like a lot of people and it may be what you guys are looking for me to say is like what are like some of like the key you know things that you do maybe like if you weren't playing football um, I the way that I look at it is now I have a I have the correct mindset so it doesn't matter necessarily what I'm doing mm-hmm. what matters to me more now is the process instead of the results and that's really what I learned from it like not playing football at that time was the worst thing that could have happened to me. But now it's one of the best things because it's not about the results, it's about the process what I, and what I learned from it. Mm-hmm. So now that I have that sort of foundation, um, when I am done with football, um, say, say, you know, something happens with the ghost, like I'm always going to be able to rebound because mentally I have the capacity to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So that's really, what, that's really my foundation now. My foundation is being able to work through these issues mm-hmm. and understanding that, just because something didn't go the way you wanted it to doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. And that's so awesome. And just like what I want to clear up, or not clear up, but talk about there is like everybody talks about how the process based is kind of stupid because they're like, well, it all depends on results. And the thing is, if you are process based, the reason GhostFit isn't failing is because you're process based. Right. You are taking those action steps because you're focused every single day on those action steps. The other businesses, and I tell people this all the time, why do I work with GhostFit? Why do I believe in GhostFit? It's because everybody else that came up to me, everybody else that talked to me about their clothing company, they were focused on results. They talked about how much money they made. They talked about 
this is where we think we can go based off their results that they had now. And Parks is like, I see a hole in this like industry. I want to better it. I want to get after it. And I'm focusing on this process of growing this like every single day. And that's like the process leads to the results. Like if you are process oriented, you're going to get the results. And that's why GhostFit isn't failing. That's why GhostFit is just like killing it right now. And like people like when I tell them like be process based, like just like you said, and I'll get it like, well, that's stupid. It's all about winning. Yes. But your process to winning, like you don't just win. Like mm-hmm. if you just think about winning, like you think about winning all day long, mm-hmm. you're never gonna win. Uh, you gotta work towards that winning, you know. Well, and, and the problem with being result based is, no one even knows what the fuck they want. Like the only reason why <laughs> yeah. you want to make money is because you see other people making it. But yep. that that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what you need or that's what you want to be happy. You just look at other people and you say, oh, their life looks cool, so now I want that. Not knowing that that's not the result that you need to be happy. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like people are so jaded by what other people are doing and other people's successes. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, you know, someone could be, I don't know, you, I, I remember listening to Gary Vee and he was saying that, you know, I have friends that make $50,000 a year and they're the happiest people and I have other friends that are making $5 million and they're mo- one of the most miserable people. Oh. And it's like the, the, that's that's the problem. The result isn't what makes you happy. It's the process. You know, if it was the result, that means that all these famous people would be the happiest people. But in reality, yeah. you know, a lot of them, you know, that are going through their own daily struggles as well. Oh, yeah. um, so I think that you just got to keep that in mind and understand that um, one person's result is gonna f- is not gonna affect you the same way that it may affect them. Um, and I think on the Unless you understand your process, you don't know what result you need. Yeah, 100%. I talk about that all the time to people because when I was growing up, so I started, this is a little fact, like I started working construction when I was five years old. Like, I was, I, my <laughs> That's parents, why you're so big, huh? <laughs> my, my, par- my, parents, my parents couldn't pay for daycare anymore, and they're like, just you, you got to come pick up garbage, basically. So wow. I was picking up garbage at five years old at these construction sites. That's insane. And some of these people you would see making zero money mm-hmm. and they're some of the happiest just people and because they're just focused on I'm going to be the best construction worker in this world and like they're so focused on being the best so focused on giving their customers the best product like just trying to better people's lives that they were happy and I came to St. Thomas and I'm like yes I like I, I agree with that but I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a construction worker like I've worked that for 15 years I'm, I'm not doing that again like that's <laughs> tough work tough work so I came to St. Thomas I'm like I'm gonna get a degree I'm gonna do this and I see these people that have so many resources and they're miserable. They complain about their life. They have been like, I meet with, like, with these mentors and these business owners and they complain about everything. They're treating people around them like shit. And like, I talk to them and I'm like, how is, how is this making any sense? This construction worker who is literally like, and I don't, like people don't get it. These people are literally living paycheck to paycheck to where if that paycheck doesn't come in, if they get hurt, they are and them and their family are going to be kicked out of their houses. That's what they're living for. And they're super happy. They're content. And I go to the cities where these people could literally not work a day in the rest of their lives and they would be able to provide for their family and they're miserable and they're complaining about their lives. And like, that's the mindset like that. That's when it clicked with me. Like when I got here, cause I had a little bit of that mindset. I'm like, I need to make money to get out of this. Like, Cause I don't want to be a construction worker. Like I need to make money. I need to get out of this. And it clicked with me. I'm like, that's not what I need. Like I need to focus on the process and like being content and having my own foundation and then growing from there and helping other people's life. Like that needs to be my focus because the resources is not what making these people happy or sad. Like right. it's what's within them basically. Well, and with it as well, um, 
it's, it's comparison. It's keeping up with the Joneses. When you start comparing yourself to other people, there's always going to be someone bigger and better than you. Oh, yeah. So if, if all you do is compare yourself, you're never going to be happy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-mm. And, and that, that should never be a judgment or a measure on how well you're doing or how happy you are. Um, but so many people do it so often. Oh, yeah. And it's like you're burying a, a, a grave for yourself. It's like there's no way you're going to get out of that process if um, all you're going to do is compare yourself to others. And it's like, it's like having money as a goal. It's like if your goal is to get a million dollars, well then once you get a million dollars, you're just gonna want more. You're mm-hmm. gonna want five million. You're gonna want ten million. It's like these these are superficial sort of goals that we have, not knowing that you know the simple things that will make you happy. Yeah, and if you're just taking the step by step, like you're gonna get to that million dollars and not even realize you're there. Yeah. And you're gonna be like, I'm still walking, and like that we already passed that like yeah. quote exactly. in quotes like goal up, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's like what was the, the other thing you were talking about. Um, I'm drawing a blank now. You're talking about, we've talked about this on the, because we go live every Monday. Yeah. And we kind of have these business discussions. And just the, just every single time, just, our, it always comes back to the same thing. Like, focusing on that walk. Focusing on that step-by-step is the only way to cross that desert. Mm-hmm. And, like, you'll do it. If you're just staring, like, to where your goal at the end of the desert is, it's going to feel like it's taking you forever. But if you're taking that step-by-step and just looking at what's your next action step you can take, to better your business, to better somebody else's life, just move, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. take that next foundational step, mm-hmm. make it happen. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Yeah. Well, that was, that was, yeah, that was fantastic. So we talked about some of the, the valleys that you had, like within yeah. your personal life. So yeah. let's, let's go on to let's some see of the, how those are manifesting now. Yeah. And Ooh, some of like the ghost so. fit, like I want to get into how did ghost fit come out of that? So we had the, we had the valley and we're at the bottom of this valley. And we heard you talk about the raise the standards. Yeah. Yeah. So basically what happened is um, after, you know, listening, like I said, to Gary Vee and Tony Robbins, I realized that, you know, I feel like as, as, as human beings, we have some sort of, you know, moral obligation to help people when you have some sort of advice or some sort of, you know, technique that, you know, can help a lot of other people. Yeah. And I realized, you know, you know, I, I figured out how to get myself out of the place that I was in. And a lot, I know that a lot of people struggle with that daily. So it's like, how do I help people overcome these obstacles that interfere fear with their daily goals, right? And that's sort of like going into my why, like why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. And I realized I'm like, okay, I know what I want to do, except how do I get that message out there? And I've always been a big advocate of figure out what you love to do and make it your job. Yep. Um, I've always had that sort of entrepreneurship mindset. And for me, it was fitness. Like, I knew I wanted to do something with fitness. I, at first, I wanted to be, like, a personal trainer, um, you know, online coaching. Like, you know, I knew I wanted to be in the fitness realm. And, you know, growing up, um, you know, we didn't have, you know, very much money. So, you know, it was a bunch of, like, hand-me-down clothes. And, like, you know, all my workout shirts were just, like, old, like, cutoffs. <laughs> yep. and stuff like that, right? Yep. And um, so that was kind of, like, a secondary idea after I was, you know, so this was, what was this? This is in 2017. So I, I knew I wanted to do something with fitness. And um, anyways, I started an Instagram page. It was like Josh Parks Fitness or whatever it was. <laughs> and a company ended up sending me um, a shirt. And I was like, hey, this shirt is like 35 bucks, 30, 35 bucks. It's not very good. <laughs> and my girlfriend at the time, she's like, why don't you just 
start your own company then, like create yeah. your own shirts. And so I just, you know, I was like, ah, okay, I'll do it. And I just started researching it and I'm like, gosh, I, I really like this, right? Cause it, it was something that, it was a businessy and it was, you know, fitness related. And I don't know, I just got hooked onto it. I, I kind of have like this addictive personality. Like mm -hmm. when I start something, I need to finish it. And, uh, and yeah, so I just combined, like I said, my nickname ghost and then fitness. And, you know, I, I wanted to really make it something that was meaningful to me. So I was, you know, thinking, you know, what, what's our slogan going to be? What are people going to, you know, know us as? And raise your standards, like, instantly came, you know, it was within minutes. And I knew that I wanted that because that is kind of like the quote that helped me get out of my dark spot. Yeah. So, like, if that can be the forefront of Ghost Fit and people can hear that message, um, you know, maybe you can do the same for them. And it's a daily reminder, you know, whenever I put on a shirt, whenever I, you know, read anything about Ghostfit that says, you know, raise your standards. It's one of those things where it's like, this is where I came from, right? Yep. And it's not something I'm running away from. I'm embracing it now. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm making it part of who I am. And it's mm -hmm. always going to be part of who I am because if it wasn't for that, you know, Ghostfit wouldn't be here. Um, you know, and a lot of the lessons that I learned wouldn't be here as well. So Yeah, if it wasn't for that valley. Exactly. You'd never climb out. and Like, there'd be nothing to climb out of. You'd just be walking straight on that line. And one of the things you mentioned is you... you this is one of the big things that changed for me and like who, what my, what I am is my like foundation is like focusing on being a problem like solver and not like a problem finder. And like where you found that shirt and you're like, this shirt kind of sucks. Yeah. You could have just sat there and complained about that shirt and then like the next shirt you get like, oh, this one kind of sucks too. And like, but you didn't do that. Like you didn't just spread those problems and just stay there with those problems. You're like, I can fix this. Like, you know, like you focus on that solution. And that's one of the biggest things like I had to switch in myself is like, because one of my biggest what's is providing, trying to get people to like realize the perspective that you talked about in life. And instead mm -hmm. of earlier, I would just focus on people have bad perspective and I would spread the problem basically of people having bad perspective. And I complain about it. I'd be like, these people are complaining about their lives and like they suck, like they have a bad mindset. And now I'm like, I got so I have a solution to this problem. I'm going to bring in people and talk about that perspective and trying to get their perspective fixed. You saw this shirt, you're like, this is a bad shirt. Instead of complaining about that shirt and just keeping it and wearing it, they say, you're like, I can fix this solution. I think that's one of the biggest foundations for any business owner, any person, is just stop spreading those problems. Mm -hmm. Complaining about that problem is spreading that problem. Exactly. Not doing anything about that problem is spreading that problem. Like, mm -hmm. do something in that moment to fix it. And that's what you did. And it turned into something. And another thing you mentioned is, like, do what you do, like, because you love it. And basically, like... That's what's gonna make you really, really, really good at what you do, is you have to love it. Because if you don't love it, even if you're super talented at it, you're gonna get passed up by somebody that loves it because they're working 24 hours a day at that job. Like eventually, like just like the, how many hours they're gonna, because they love what they're doing. Like if you didn't love doing your shirts and you had to drag on, like you would do less of it, you'd put less of your effort into it. And you know, somebody else that loved doing shirts, even if they had less resources than you, they weren't Josh Parks of a football team, you know? Like they would pass you up because they loved it, but you loved what you did. And that's one of the biggest things is like, if you even if you're not super good at it, if you love it, you'll become super good at it. Right. Because you're right. gonna put all of your love, all of your effort into that mm -hmm. thing. And that's where like, you had to learn so, and you talk about, we talked about on this podcast, like how you, how much you had to learn starting with the business and like where to get the shirts from and this, mm -hmm. but you had a passion and now you're like where you're at now because you put everything you had into that because you loved it, you know, like yeah, you got after it. And one thing that I, one thing that I noticed and so growing up, kind of like going back a little bit, I was like this very like shy, quiet kid. Yep. Um, and it really wasn't until like 
you know, middle school, middle school or even high school that I feel like I, you know, started opening up more. But, um, you know, I would always like sit and observe. And I just realized, you know, like so many of my family members and like just people out in society, like they're working for a job just to get paid. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like, I, I can't do that. Like, it, it just yeah. seems miserable, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I remember listening to Gary Vee and I still listen to him. Um, but he's like, I think he's like 40, like mid 40s. And yeah. he's like, the, the way I feel right now is the same way I feel felt when I was like in the 20s, my 20s. And I'm like, when I was mm-hmm. in my mid 20s, and if I realized how much time I had, He's like, I, I, he's like, that's what I want everyone to know. Like, n- n- you have to understand that you have so much time. Like, time's for you when you're in your 20s. Yeah. It's like, take these risks. Fail a lot. Because the work, one thing that you don't want to do is be 70 years old, 80 years old, 90 years old. Mm-hmm. And say, man, what if I would have started GhostFit back when, you know, I was 20? Yeah, like, oh. what would have happened then, right? Yeah. Right. It's like, people just don't, people are scared to fail. They, they want to be comfortable. They want that nine to five because then I'm getting a paycheck every two weeks. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like, man, I just want to see how happy I can be. With that, I, I read a post the other day and it was like, the three things that are killing America. And it was like, drugs, um, food, the food basically, and then a salary. And with the oh, salary, wow. what they were saying with that salary yeah. is basically like it just completely traps people. And it's, it's, it's it straight it's straight like a drug. Like every single month you get your hit of that salary. Dude, and yeah. it just brings you back into it. And yeah, every single you. month you get that hit of that salary. And we talked about this a little bit on, uh, on our lives. And we were talking about how like everybody thinks like that salary is safe. And what these people were making a point of is like, when you lose that salary, like if you get fired, something happens to you, you're that one, you go from 100 to a zero. When you're an entrepreneur, when you have a business, if you lose one client, your goal is never to lose one client. But if you lose one client, you have 100 clients. Like, you lose one out of 100, and then you're still at 99. You know, mm-hmm. like, you never lose, you never go from 100 to zero. You never drop completely. So they were making a point, like, even though you think that's safe, even though they're keeping you coming with that drug of a salary, like, even that, like, point doesn't make any sense. Like, it's not safer. Like uh, Especially, you know, well, especially in the corporate world. I mean, having worked in it for, through internships, and then now for a couple months, it's, You've got, I had one of my, my best friend growing up, his dad worked for the same company for 20 years and and they, they fired him because he yep. was too old. Mm-hmm. And he's worked there for 20 years. He's put in good hours. But when you talk to him, it, when it happened, it was really cool to see his transition and his mindset. When it happened, he was bitter, resentful, angry, mad at the world, and blamed everything for everything. Blamed the world for all of his problems. But... As time went on, he you saw this like shift in his mindset, and he didn't really even like what he was doing anyway. But it was cool to see this fifty-five-year-old man. Now he's running his own independent consulting company, and he likes financial analysis and accounting. And he's running his own company, doing his own thing for clients, and he's way happier. And he just got he broke that vicious loop of the nine to five, and it's it's something it's really something to see. Especially like now having experience working in that, I think it's very insightful at what you're saying, and it's not you've never even worked in it. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna see a big shift, honestly, in the next. I mean, now and until the next ten years with social media and the new ways of being able to have a career, mm-hmm. like eventually it's gonna be 
Yeah, you, know, you you don't you don't go to the corporate office no. and, and and get paid like that just because there's so many different avenues and um, and being able to work from home work on the computer and it's one of those things where it's is relatively new mm-hmm. and then like to 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 be able to say like we can take advantage of that like that's so cool I think yeah oh yeah like to say that you can create a business on Instagram or Facebook or you know use those platforms to help get you clients. Like it's just like a new way of doing things, and it's—I mean—you you can reach thousands of people. Like it's—it's it's more instantaneous, in the sense that you can help more people in a quicker amount of time. Mm-hmm. And one thing I want to like just give a little bit of like advice on is like, like you said, like you knew right away, like you were born to be an entrepreneur. And like with me, like my entire life, I knew I didn't want anybody to ever be my boss. Basically, like I knew, like I wanted my own product my thing like it's kind of just made sense in my head for me to do that it made yeah. sense in your head for you mm-hmm. to do that if in your head you love like you like your job uh we're not saying yeah, you, exactly. you have to quit that exactly. what i want you to focus yeah. on with your mindset is if you're going to do that you got to be the best person at that job mm-hmm. you got to focus on being the best person at that job like you have to love that job if you don't love that job if that's not your passion and you don't want to be a leader, you need to find a new job of where you do love it and you do have to get after it. Working that nine to five is going to kill you. It'll literally kill you just like a drug, just like those foods. Like it'll eat your soul alive. And like we talked about, I have a buddy who just quit his job and he was talking about, he went to the doctor's office and the doctor literally told him the stress was going to kill him. Like if he stayed at this level for the next like 20 years, the stress was going to kill him with the weight gain he was having, the stress that job was putting on him and how much he hated that job. Oh, it was going to end up killing him. Like that's what you, people have to realize is like, it's not, I love the happiness and like eventually I want you guys to get to a point to where you're happy with your life, where you're successful, where you love your family. Like that's all good. But like if the first step is not being killed every single day, you step into your job, like make that your first step. Like right. we're not saying you need to step in Go take that huge leap right away. Just once again, step by step, it's a process. Go from hating your job and dying at it every day to taking that step out and realizing there's something you can do that you like. Mm-hmm. To taking that step out to every single day you're happy. Right. To taking that step out to every single day you're spreading that happiness. To taking that step out to every single day you're the leader. You are the best version of yourself and you're loving what you do every mm-hmm. single day. But it's steps. It's steps. It's and steps. you're never going to make that leap. Like no, You're never no going to go from hating your life every single day to... <laughs> spreading the love and happiness you know like and that you can accelerate i'm not saying that process has to take 10 years it might but like you just take those steps like just make it happen and Mm -hmm. don't like i don't want people to be scared of well they're happy and they're spreading their news like i i'm hating my life every single fucking day i go into work like how am i going to make that step like just do something that betters it every single day right Right. i agree i agree that's like you know, I, I forget who I heard it from, but they're like, make your side hustle, you know, your actual hustle. Yeah. And, you know, for those that the, for those that do think, you know, maybe I want to become an entrepreneur, maybe I do want to become my own boss, you don't just necessarily have to quit your job, but when you're done with your job, work on something that you truly do love. Mm-hmm. And eventually, if you work on it long enough, long enough, long enough, you know, your, your pay at your, you know, nine to five is going to be up here and your side hustle is going to be down here. But eventually, they're beca- going to become even and even and even. And then when your side hustle passes, that nine to five, that's when you know, well, I don't need this anymore. You don't need it anymore. And I, I want to tie like a bunch of things in here. about you talk about your social media 
and like how as a kid you were like kind of nervous of putting stuff out there and like yeah. I want to talk about that plan B too of like you got to kind of get rid of that safety net and you got to put yourself out there so like one thing I want to talk about social media wise like I got on social media like Instagram like a year and a half ago like my first post was like a year and a half ago I had no idea what I was doing and we talked to <laughs> the parks when we were doing this Insta Live and both of, both of us were super nervous about going like really Insta Live we were like freaking yeah. out about it and like you just got to do it like you got to take that step and like it grows from there and like one of the big things I did for my like I told people like every single day I'm going to have a story on there and like nobody's ever going to really, I mean, yes, they'll call me out and like say, but like really like there's no repercussion for that. But to myself, I put myself out there and I said, every single day, I'm going to post something on this Instagram that provides value. And if I don't like, so it forces me to do that, you know, like put yourself out there, take away that safety net. For me, that safety net was nobody's ever really going to judge me. If I don't post something, nobody's ever going to judge me if I'm not consistent with this. So I took that safety net away and I'm like, judge the shit out of me. If I don't put something out, judge the shit out of me. If I'm not better in your day every single day, like judge me. So I have that pressure on me and I'm growing and like, get rid of that safety net, make it happen. Like insta live, we were talking about it. We're like, oh, we could start this next week. And we're like, yeah. let's just do it on Monday. Like we talked about it on Sunday. We're like, let's just do it tomorrow. Like, let's just do it. Make a consistent thing. And we do it. And like, like right now we're talking about like, we're seeing just a tiny bit of momentum from it. And we're three weeks into doing this like wow. little live thing. And like that momentum is just going to build. It's just going to get better. It's just going to grow from there. And I was, I was asked once, um, you know, I don't know if you guys have this, you know, in, in your questions today, but you know, what, what's the best business advice that you could give someone? And truthfully, it's just start. Yeah. Right. Because like Austin and I could have talked for months about how we're going to make our live streams, you know, as you know, best as possible, how we can add the most value, how, you know, ways of not being nervous, but until you just do it, you will never know what you need to focus on. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's the thing, just get your foot in the door, get your toe a little bit wet and, You'll, the momentum will start building, mm -hmm. right? And and everyone's story and situation and process is gonna be different, so I can't tell you what you need to know. Like, you need to figure that out for yourself. And the only way to do that and to really understand is just doing it. Put yourself out there, be uncomfortable. Like, when, once once doing uncomfortable things are comfortable, dude, you're gonna see some crazy results. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. I love that like, we talked about what, what your advice for entrepreneurs are. Now going into more like the business side of it, yeah. What are like your tips and tricks? So not advice like mentally, like but actual business tips. And like I'm here to learn from this yeah, yeah. too. Like that you have from starting GhostFit that you think entrepreneurs listening or starting up entrepreneurs can learn from you. Yeah, I say the biggest thing is understanding your market, um, and that holds a lot of weight because you have to understand who you're selling to. Because when you have that foundation. Now you understand how to target them. So most of the ads that we do are on Instagram and Facebook mm -hmm. because that's where the majority of our market is. So by understanding that, um, it allows us to maximize our ROI from a business standpoint um, and from a monetary standpoint. Um, and then with that as well, um, you know, there's so many layers to it. Not only does it help uh, understanding your market by um, you know, being able to place your ads in the right positions, but also creating content that others are going to truthfully enjoy, right? So it's, um, I mean, it's, it's really a lot of common sense. Cre create something that no other person can create, right? Yep. Create, create value that other people can create. And 
I think that we all understand it, but we just don't want to put that work in. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. Like, whatever you're really good at, triple down on and focus on that as much as possible. Yeah. And so with your return on investment or ROI. Um, yeah. Do you want to go into a little bit of like, what is your main focus on ROI? Is it money? So like I talked about in a young entrepreneur with me right now is like, my, honestly, my biggest are like what I'm focused on. My biggest return on investment is connections and spreading like my word and that type of thing. So like the monetary value comes eventually. So I'm trying to grow my ROI from connections and building the base to mm. monetary investment, if that makes yeah. sense. So what's yeah. your focus on your ROI? Um, yeah, so it's a little bit of both. So obviously the mon- I mean, I'm a business owner, so monetary, you know, value is huge for us That's, because it's, it's what, yeah, it's what keeps our business afloat. Um, that and just getting our word across, mm-hmm. right? Like when I think people get connected to stories and it also gives them mm-hmm. a perspective, like I was saying. And so if we, the more money that we can generate, the more product we can so to speak, push and get our message across. Um, and at the end of the day, that's kind of like the biggest, you know, analytical points that we look for. You know, how how can we have this story and this process that we've gone through as as me, Josh Parks, and as Ghostfit as a company, and how can we reach as many people as possible? I like it. I like mm-hmm. it a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's basically ties into a lot of what I'm trying to do is like the bigger you reach, as long as you have a good what, like you, you have a good message, you are spreading the correct message, you're spreading what you want to spread, the bigger the reach, the better. Right. It's just going to spread like wildfire. Exactly. Basically. Yeah, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Exactly. exactly. And that's one of the so most powerful true. things. And like, you want, uh, like people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. But you also don't want people that buy what you do, you know, like, you want yeah. people that buy into what like they just don't want the belief. You don't want you don't want people that are buying that single shirt because they think it looks cool. Like they want to buy Ghost Fit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like they want to buy that because that's what makes them keep coming. That's what gets a solid customer. Mm-hmm. And a, and another sort of like business tip for especially you know entrepreneurs starting out right away. You know a lot of people want to put so much money into you know their products and like this and that and you know maybe like hiring people. But one thing that, you know, I would really, really encourage people to take a look into is the power of social media. Mm-hmm. Like, you talk about, like, TV and how much of a reach you can get, you know, with, you know, seeing commercials. But social media, I mean, that's literally, like, half of people's lives nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's on there. So if, if, you're, if you're looking to reach people, like, make sure that you're dominating social media first before you go pour money into you know, other aspects of the business mm-hmm. because that's where you're going to really get that ROI from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing that I really had to learn is how do you how do you take advantage of advertisements on social media? Like that would, if, if you're creating an e-commerce website, e-commerce store, selling anything online, my first piece of advice would be understand your market. But secondly, dive in for 30 hours and figure out how ads work online like, because that's the biggest thing and you're talking facebook and instagram ads facebook instagram twitter google uh, ads. google ads yeah. like there's so much there's there's so many different ways that 
you know, you can put in a little bit amount of money mm-hmm. and get a ton of money yes. from it. It's very true. And if, if you don't take advantage of that and you don't truly understand how it works, and I remember when we first started, I put like $300 into ads and I didn't get one one sale from it. Hmm. And like now understanding that avenue and understanding that process, it's completely different. It, Instagram Instagram ads completely changed my business. Mm-hmm. Like from me selling shirts to me creating an actual business where I can create like real wealth and be able to live off of one day. And it's lit- it, it came down to understanding ads because mm-hmm. um, nowadays you have to understand that we live in a digital world. Mm-hmm. And if you're behind the eight ball on that, you're just going to get eaten up. Mm-hmm. So that's my biggest piece of advice. Understand the world that you live in. It's just like understanding your market. You know, they, they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then providing that content and have make sure, so consistent content with that. Yep. And then consistent con- content with value. And that's one of the biggest things I've learned as a business owner is like so many times I've put something out like three months ago that I don't even remember putting out. And I'll have a kid reach out to me for a training program, mentioning that thing that I mentioned three months ago, and yeah. that's what made him sign up. That's what like clicked in his head. So like, young entrepreneurs, like you have to realize like, people are seeing your stuff every single day, provide value every single day, and eventually it'll turn into something. You know, like even if like just never get discouraged about it. Like like you said, you put three hundred dollars into ads and it never turned into anything you attack that problem like, okay, why did that never turn into anything? You right. know, like just, you never got discouraged and like, well, shit, that never turned into anything. Like mm-hmm. consistent content with consistent value in that content. And this like, it, it's going to work out. It's going to be a process of you are doing the right thing. It's going to come back to you. And if it's not coming back to you, like maybe the thing you're doing isn't right. Maybe your what isn't good. So that also gives you a return on investment to realize mm-hmm. maybe you need to fix what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I like how you brought up like the value aspect of it. When we first started, when I first started GhostFit, um, all my posts were you know on social media. It was like, here's our gray long sleeve. You know, click the link in our description. You know, to buy to purchase. Right. It was always like, you know, like take take take. Like, here's mm-hmm. our product. Buy it. Here's our product. Mm-hmm. Buy it. And, you know, this was last year. You know, I had a you know one of my business partners, Daniel Ocon. You know, we were sitting and talking about, you know, how can we, how can we transition this business and make it something that's real sustainable, sustainable. And instead of saying, buy this, like just share your story mm-hmm. because that's a value piece. Sure. Like, like you said, no one, people aren't buying Ghostfit shirts. They're buying Ghostfit as, as a idea, as a brand, mm-hmm. as a, as a, as a story. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going from it from a wrong angle because I didn't understand you know, how to properly run a business, mm-hmm. how to run, you know, an online business, a social media business. Mm-hmm. And so it's the, the, these little sort of, um, you know, nuances that you learn you know, throughout throughout the years mm-hmm. where unless, you're do, unless you really put your foot in and you, you start working, you'll never know these things. Right. And, it, and that, that sort of business might work for a different uh, business model, but for mine it didn't. Mm-hmm. So I can't tell you don't do that, but I would say try other avenues first because I knew it didn't work for me and I know mm-hmm. it doesn't work for a lot of other companies. Mm-hmm. And just right. change your mindset from the take, take, take to you give, you give, you give, and then your customers right. are giving to you. To you. Right. Like, you know, you're never yes. taking that physically from them. Yes. They're still giving to you, but it's a different mm-hmm. process and it allows them to come back to you. Yes. It allows more of those customers to want to give to you, you know, like, and 
that's like I keep talking to people. It's like it just goes back to the point like they don't buy your product. Like nobody cares about the product. They care about what's behind the product. And like those other clothing so companies that came up to me, like they had nothing behind their product. Like there was yeah. nothing there. It was just yeah. it was a, maybe even if they had a cool shirt, like. There's nothing they didn't believe in that they just were an artist. They had an artist draw something out for them that yeah, was cool. cool shirt. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, you you need to have, con like something physical, a foundation. Like it always comes back to your foundation, a foundation of your business, something foundational that people want to be a part of, mm -hmm. and they come back to that. They don't come back to your training programs. They don't come back for your shirts. They come back, and you you got to be phenomenal at that. Like I'm not mm -hmm. saying you have to suck at that. Like you have to be really freaking good at what you do. But that's not why they buy it. Everybody's really good at what they do. You need to provide them something. That value aspect, that's so important. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, so usually we wrap these up. It's the Yoakum Strength Podcast. Yeah. So we end with some strength training. Let's so do it. you're an all-American running back. You went to a D1 college out of high school. What is the off-season training? What does a summer training program look like for Josh Parks? Yeah, um... So I, I think the summer is really, really important just because, you know, it's, you know, two, three months away from fall camp. And that's when you really got to, I mean, you want to be dialed in year round. Um, but obviously there's going to be times where you're more dialed in than others. And I think summer is that sort of time. And so with the training, you know, I, I think first and foremost, it comes with the diet. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And, you know, really in the summer, you know, I try to limit, you know, all like, you know, all the processed foods and, you know, things of that nature. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of people say, oh, all you can eat is, like, chicken and rice and stuff like that, which um, I do eat a lot of that stuff. But I know how to add different ingredients to make it taste well. Um, but so that, there's, like, that one side, the, 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 you know, caloric side to it. But in terms of actual training, um, you know, I like to do – a lot of high rep stuff. So for high rep for me, in, 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 in my terms, is you know b between eight to ten. Mm -hmm. um, ten reps are basically most of the lifts that I do. Um, and the reason why I like to do that is, you know, I, I like to do lifts that are going to get me stronger, but I also like to stay, you know, flexible and um, and being be in a position where you know I'm not going to injure myself because I'm you know squatting you know, 500 pounds for two, mm -hmm. you know, that just doesn't seem too advantageous for me. Um, but yeah, that cardio, you know, I usually do cardio around five, four to five times a week. I mean, it's mostly, um, it's mostly treadmill training. And then I usually do two days on the field, whether it's footwork, um, speed training, agility training, um, maybe a little bit of endurance, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's nothing crazy. Um, like you said, you know, going back to, you know, the business side, you know, it's about cons consistency. Mm -hmm. Like making sure that you don't take this week off just because, oh, I feel tired this week. Um, so, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, I hit, you know, the entire body um, depending on the day. And you know, how many days a week do you train? Yeah, I usually train like in like in the gym or like running as well. Over everything. Yeah, you know, I try to lift, lift about five days a week and then like I said like cardio slash field work about five days a week as well after it wow. and is that always with your brother um yeah so I would say two years ago we lifted a lot more together okay now with his new job he's working down in Minneapolis um sometimes he gets out late depending on his schedule 
um, just because he has accounting work, so sometimes he's in the office till seven. So sure. we try to get get lifts together as much as possible. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I like lifting with someone else. It kind of keeps you accountable for yeah. you know the community feel pushes your numbers too. Yeah, exactly. Sure. All right. So this is one of the other questions I want to know is like. How has either your business attitude affected your training to where you get after in your business, or how has your training attitude, like vice versa, affected your business to where like you've trained yourself to get after it every single day? How has those two things kind of like helped each other with that mindset? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so my mindset in the gym is, like I said, is identical with that of running a business where mm -hmm. if I can do another rep and I know I can, then I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's not taking shortcuts. It's going into the gym for at least an hour. It's getting all the work done that I need to be great, not good. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, sometimes you get people that are like, oh, well, you know, I just went in for, you know, a half hour. I just, you know, I was supposed to do, you know, a couple more exercises, but I decided not to do it because I was hungry or I wanted to go, you know, see a movie with a friend. Or, you know, they, there's always excuses, but I feel like when you're in the gym, it doesn't matter how long it's going to take. Obviously, you don't want to be there for five hours, but whatever you set your mind on, yeah. do that and then worry about everything else after. Mm -hmm. Because that's like my one time where, you know, I've, I'm focusing on myself, on my own personal, um, you know, health. Mm -hmm. And that has to come first before you can really help other people or, yeah. you know, put yourself in a position where, you know, you're giving energy to other people. Right. You know, if you can't give it to yourself. So I think Richard Branson is the CEO of Virgin. Yeah, Virgin. yeah, Virgin Mobile. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Virgin Airlines. Yeah, I think he said working out is the most important part of his day. And he also said that he thinks health is the single most important part of his life, and that's coming from a guy who owns multi-million, yeah, multi-billion-dollar companies, multi-billionaire, many times over. I mean, yeah, I think that's you're really spot on with yeah. with that. I just think that you gotta have that. You have you have to have that sort of killer mindset when it comes to owning a business because yeah. one, yeah, you you're doing it for you know, your own personal liking, but two, you never know what's going to come at you. Yeah. Like when you're in the gym, you know how much weight you're going to try to lift. But running a business, you have an idea of what you want to do, but you can't control all the elements. You can't control the market. You can't control, you know, some aspects of the business, whether you get apparel in a little bit later than you thought you would, or if there's, you know, holes in a few of the pieces. Mm -hmm. Like you just never know what's going to come at you. So you have to mentally prepare and just be ready to, fight for that day mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I love the point about you said what you put your mind to when you get into that gym you're going to get done what you put your mind to when you get into that company you're going to get done yeah because like this is like and we talk about like our sleep schedule sometimes get a little messed up and like people ask like how are you working from like 6 a.m to like 11 p.m like how are you doing that and like they talk about and they tell me about their day and like how they work like the nine to five or like how their day is busy basically and, like how are you doing this it's like because we've like trained ourselves that like when we get in there like you gotta get it done you can you don't get to leave until it's done and like even if you leave like you're not gonna go home and sleep that night if you didn't get what you put your mind to getting done you know right. and like that's one of the biggest mindsets like as a business and like what i think is like allowing ghostfit to succeed and like allowing me to get after it basically is that like i'm never gonna like leave a task undone i'm just gonna keep going at it until it is done and i think a lot of people like they talk about how busy their day is they talk about like how they can't do stuff. And I'm like, dude, like you can do this, you know, like you just gotta like blinders on a little bit and like get it done, like just do it. And I think it comes down to the point that you made before that 
um, you know, that we talked about that, you know, when you love something, it becomes much easier, right? A lot of people go, you know, they work their nine to five and they're waiting for the clock to hit five. Yeah. Like, think about this, you know, there's people that can watch an entire, you know, season of, uh, you know, whatever, whatever show on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. So you can do that for 10 hours a day and it's easy for you, you because you enjoy doing it. It's like the same thing with owning a business and truly loving it. It's like, I don't work, you know, 15 yeah. hours a day because I push myself to do it every single second. It's because I don't want to go to bed because I want to do this, yeah, right? Yeah. Just how you like to binge watch, you know, Sons of Anarchy or whatever it is. It's like, that's how I this feel about this business. Love, yes. yeah. Um, so yeah, if I hated selling clothes or running a business, it'd be extremely hard for me to be successful. But I love my company the way that, you know, you may love watching Netflix for 15 hours a day. It's well, the same Becker, sort of Becker mentioned that last week, talking about the flow state. And yes. it's like when you find What's that, um, so you just talk about when you find what you love, like you can literally go from like, like you said, 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. Yeah. and like be like, shit, like the day, like those Come many on. hours went through and you didn't even realize it because yeah. you weren't looking at the clock, you weren't doing anything. Like you were so focused on what you love to do. See, that's the, that's, that's the process oriented rather than the results oriented. Yeah. If it was results oriented, all you'd be looking at is, all right, it just needs to get to 11 o'clock so then I can be done for the day. Mm-hmm. Or if it's process oriented, it's like time. What, what, what do you mean time? Like, yeah. I, I, I got a lot of work to do still. Yeah. And like I said, it, that's what makes me happy. Like being able to just work on something that you truly love doing. Um, because then nothing else really matters at that point. I, I, don't, I don't care about, you know, going out on a Friday you know, anymore the way that I used to. Yeah. Because I got other things that are better. Yeah. And like you get more enjoyment out of that. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. So before we end this, what if these listeners only listen to 10 seconds, yeah. what can you give them? What is your biggest message that you want to give them that where if I give them this sound clip, they can say, Josh Parks changed my life? Yeah, I would say test the waters as much as you can fail as often as you can and create a perspective that no one can ever change because once you do that no matter what happens in your life you'll figure out a way how to get out of it Mm. Mm. i think that's what it comes down to i love it do you want to tell people how they can reach you uh yeah ghost fit uh cuts yeah yeah yeah. so you know you can go to ghostfitapparel.com for our you know e-commerce website but ghost fit clothing is our social media handles on instagram and facebook yeah, like Austin said, we post or we go live every Monday at 8 p.m. Um, Central Standard Time. And we just basically the same sort of things that we do on this podcast where, you know, we come on and talk about business related stuff, fitness related stuff, the mental side of, you know, either or. Um, but yeah, man, it's been good. Yeah, it's been very awesome. awesome. It's freaking awesome having you on, Josh. It's pretty it's unreal. Thanks so much, even, man. We didn't even get to talk about football. I don't think yeah. you need to. I don't uh, think we yeah. need to either. Hey, man, another day. Yeah, another day. Another day or another time. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on, Josh. Appreciate Dude, thanks it. Thanks a lot, fellas. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Good to go.
Well, that was an awesome time with Josh Barks. What a guy. That, yeah. that was insane. Incredible. Yeah. He's the man. It's crazy when you have people on like that and you don't, even you've known them, but you don't really know the struggles that they've gone through and hearing about all the things Josh went through that was really mind-blowing to me. I didn't know he went through any of that. Yeah. Yeah. That was fantastic. But, um, so now we're going to close here and we just want to let you know how you can support Yoakum Strength. Uh, make sure to follow Austin on Instagram. You can buy a program through contacting him on Instagram and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and or Spotify or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Go to resistancebandtraining.com for any resistance band needs you have. You can go through Instagram in order to get onto their website. And thank you for joining in again. Thank you for listening. Keep chopping wood and be grateful.